Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There has been a lot, and I mean a lot of Penn State news since Sunday night. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Uh, the BWI mailbag comes out on Wednesdays, and it is chocked full, especially about wide receivers. Um, and despite all that news, I still have my hair. I believe Nate Bauer still has his. And we're going to answer your questions on the BWI mailbag show coming up right now. Here we are again. Nate Bauer, it's the mailbag, it's the offseason. Uh, it doesn't feel like the offseason, though, Nate. I have been strapped to my chair for four days. How are you doing? It does feel like the offseason. It feels like basketball season. But well, then there's true. also, like, this is, I was actually thinking about it as I was driving my children to daycare this morning that, uh, you know, it's like it's like the hot stove for baseball, right? Like, yeah. it's the this is it. These are all the transactions. And as a fan, I never understood why everybody cared about those things. But the longer that I'm in this business and the more that I realize, uh, you know, the transfer portal and NIL represent free agency more or less. And the construction of your roster, fantasy football, like you put all those things culturally together and it makes sense. I think. And I love, honestly, like if, if you would, if you compared right now, to when I began my career covering Penn State football uh, a long time ago at this point. Like, it's it's just so drastically different. We're not mm-hmm. doing every day, like, uh, let's reassess every day what the position-by-position position breakdown. Like, yes. there's actually stuff happening. Yep. There's news to be discussed and bantered about. And that about. assessment so is dynamic. Here for. Right. Yeah, that assessment sure. is dynamic. Now, it, it's hilarious. You, you brought up. So growing up, here were the three jobs I wanted in sequential order for. Well, I'll start with four uh, marine biologist when I was like four. Naturally. Then I wanted to be a dentist um, and then I wanted to be a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And then when I realized that was never going to happen, I wanted to be a GM. So you are speaking mm-hmm. my language of roster construction, understanding how these pieces fit together, talent, complementing talent, all that stuff. My only point is like we uh, just just some behind the uh, behind the curtain stuff. I'm off tomorrow. So we recorded four videos today. So uh, it's the end of a long day. It's the it's the it's the mailbag show. So I'm doing the thing that I said I've been doing. I'm going to do for a while. And as I'm actually going to have a nightcap during the show. So I'm answering your questions and having uh, a little bit of rum. Oh, yeah. Spicy. I like that. All right. I actually brought the bottle. Shout out to Big Spring Spirits in Belfont. Big Spring Spirits. One of my favorite places to buy uh, any sort of spirit. And definitely should be a sponsor of the show because they sponsor the after show party. So why not just be a part of the show? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. Let's make those right. connections. 
So as we always do, here's the setup. Um, if you want to get a question on the mailbag show, the two easiest ways to do that are to go through bluewhiteillustrated.com, sign up for $29.99 and get access to premium content. You're not just getting the mailbag. You're getting all the information to ask the next level sort of questions. And then you can be the shining star of the mailbag next to Nate, of course. Um, the, the things that we don't know the answers to. Right, right, right. Which is always like the what abouts and the next things. Um, or have a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's the next stream of questions that we're going to. Um, so if you want to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with your question, um, it's taken priority. We're getting to it, the first one off the, the off the bat today. And Nate, this one is especially for you. Oh, boy. Yeah. And this is, is this is actually really hilarious, and it's also really awesome. First off, five-star review, you guys rock. Told Nate in person at the Michigan State football game to keep the basketball coverage coming, and he has delivered big time. Uh, Greg Peichel. <laughs> Greg Peichel oh. gave us a five-star review. I had to text Greg Pickle and be like, hey, Greg, you didn't leave us a five-star review to help us out, did you? It was definitely him. It was definitely him because <laughs> he did tell any. That's like, excuse me, I would like a bank loan. Uh, yeah. I am Mr. Smith. <laughs> yeah. Crentist, the dentist. Uh, anyway. <laughs> but of course, like if you if you're watching here tonight uh, as this airs live, uh, we're not live right now, but airs live on, on YouTube at seven. Check out the basketball, uh, the hoop show, which is at 4 p.m. Uh, today and as always uh, we'll make you aware when the next one comes out uh, at some point we forgot to schedule the next one today Nate though so we'll have to get that on thank you so much to Greg Pykel I very much appreciate that and thank you to Greg Pickle who does great work okay let's get into the mailbag once again bluewhiteillustrated.com best place to get your questions uh, that's where we feature most of the people and the stars of the show today, which is always on the mailbag, is you. And uh, uh, you leave your question on the on the mailbag thread. We get to it, and we're going to start lots of questions about wide receiver because one of the breaking news items today, Penn State got an 11th-hour commitment from Malik McLean, the receiver mm -hmm. from Florida State. So a lot of receiver talk early on, Nate. Uh, and Chess Westerson Starts us off. I'd love to see a comparison between Devin Carter, bad, and Malik McLean, good. So he's already he he's he's curating his content to start. He wants us, from what I understand this question to be, tell me how good Malik McLean is and how bad Devin Carter is. Yeah, it, <laughs> it has it to reads. be a win. Yeah, it has to be a win for Penn State, right? Uh, now I'm uh -huh. just, I'm gonna steal I'm gonna steal straight from my colleague Sean Fitz and just say that if if you're looking for upsides of this. Yes from Penn state's perspective, it's that you have more time, right? You, you have more time to, to prepare, to develop uh, Malik McLean and, and, you know, your optimism is built on the fact that he had a, a solid first season, I think had some injury issues this year, some, some things that kind of moved him to the back burner at F Florida state. Uh, and so with a fresh start, Penn state on campus already, right. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday, January 18th. That, I mean, that, that's just a, a massive runway to enjoy before the, the start of the season. Yeah. And I, I will always say he's a part of the Penn State strength and conditioning program for the winter that only does you good things. Yep. Uh, so let's take this and, and Fitz and I talked about this earlier today. Check out that video. Um, but we'll get into a little bit more detail here. 
it's pretty it's pretty clear, right? Devin Carter represents a veteran that will run routes and play now. And during his film room, which doesn't mean much anymore because he's going to West Virginia, the question really for him was, can he be the guy? Can he be the dominant force in a passing attack? Because he's got a lot of good traits. He's got a lot of, you know, uh, vertical presence. Even if he's not the fastest guy in the world, he's 220-some pounds. And uh, he catches the ball pretty well until he has concentration drops. Malik McLean is all of it. He is faster. He's bigger. He's not as he's not as bulky. You know, so he's 200 pounds. But he's got the frame of how big do you want him? That's kind of the way I look at him. He's he's more dynamic as a movement as an athlete in movement. He can run routes better. I feel like he's got more snap in his uh, in his transitions. So from an athletic standpoint, yes, Malik McLean plus the years is a big upside win for Penn State. But what are you trying to accomplish? Kind of like what we saw earlier with some of the other guys that they didn't get in the portal or that they they shied away from was you can fill a role in the, in the offense. You can fill a position. Um, and, and the whole point is to surround the new starter, presumably Drew Aller, with guys that can do a lot of different things. So with, with this particular group, I think that uh, McLean fits in really well. And he is a vertical presence with size and speed, and he can make plays at uh, every level of the football field. But he has he has some work to do on his route running and all of that stuff. So that's where I'd, I'd leave it there. Good. Yeah, I, I, I do think your last point uh, about veterans helping, like Penn State wasn't necessarily going into the transfer portal to uh, replace or fix up sins in recruiting in the class of 2021 right like it, this was this is an immediate and yeah. present need for yeah. penn state to have guys guy who can step in and be and be a featured receiver right i mean yeah. it, you're you're it's just so that's much what cephas this. is that's what cephas is and that's for why sure. this um leek mcclain is really interesting and that's why i compared him to johnny dixon is because the talent level to be a an NFL player is there and to be I'm excited to see what he develops into, but he doesn't have three years. He has two years and his skill level at his current position is similar to where Dixon was when he came to Penn state, except Dixon had that extra, right? And and that's kind of where you are with McLean. He's got to develop a little faster because they do need him, but he doesn't have to be the guy because you got Cephas. So you get an upside play that can contribute and then, the dude who's going to be your your lead dog and has been that I think in in certain ways for for a team previously. Yeah, no, and I I also think, I think between these two guys, Cephas and McLean, anything that helps put and, and we talk about this all the time, but I I just see it time and time and time again of players need motivation. There needs to be someone close behind that can really force the existing players on the roster into being their best selves, whatever yep. that's like. Uh, I, I just think that you see when there's no threat of losing a job to guys that care about it, yeah. guys that want that job, uh, it, it, it can be a spark. It can be something that really aids, I think, in development. Um, you know, so we'll see. Uh, um I'm having a blank moment. Help me out here. The left tackle before Orlo Fashanu. You can only remember so many names. And for uh, a moment, Rasheed I'm Walker. forgetting. Rasheed Walker had all the talent in the world. 
but yeah. there was nobody to push him. There, there was no threat behind him. And, you know, for guys that not everyone is intrinsically motivated at all times that can internally turn it on. Um, and I'm not saying that Rasheed Walker didn't play hard, but there are detail things and there's the next level of insanity that comes with being a great football player. Yep. And if you aren't being pushed to that level, that's kind of the conversation about the offensive line. Now, um, Fashanu has in his own way proven he is that guy, you know, that has gotten better and has pushed and pushed and pushed and become very good. Um, but the, the right tackle position, the guard position this is what I, you know, I think what we're all excited about is, Anytime I mention a starting five, somebody goes, well, what about this guy? Or what about that guy? And I go, exactly. Like yep. the best one's going to play and they're not going to have as many weaknesses. At least that's how it should turn out. And with this group of receivers, um, I think you made the great point of this. This group does not necessarily. It's not about the young guys. It's about so you don't have a redshirt freshman running a route wrong and the quarterback who's a sophomore throwing the football anyway, right. And making all of these compounding mistakes. You have more of an opportunity with veterans that they won't make as many mistakes and that you you're, you're avoiding some of those situations. But that leads us to the next question from coast fan, uh, a regular on the board. He says two much needed portal wide receivers now in the fold, uh, assuming Cephas comes through because he's not fully enrolled in that whole story. You can check out at a previous BWI daily editions. Roster management question here. Five receivers counting Christian Driver from the 2022 class with only one burning a red shirt. Seems like a log jam that requires some thinning out without naming names and getting unfair about that part. How many of that group will uh, portal within the next year? Uh, this is kind of just an averages question, right? Like mathematically, a certain number are going to move on because that's been what happens. That I think that's... What, what do you think? Yeah, I don't... I don't think it's necessarily fair to start pro projecting like who that would be. Uh, yeah. It's it, these are stories to be written. There's there's things that uh, occasionally players come in and you just know, right? It just it's it's very obvious. But I would argue pretty strongly, more often than not, it's not obvious. It it it, it like these are things that. Yes, there is a set of talent that coaches can see and can work with and can understand, but how you mold that and how you develop it, the rate of development, whether or not you plateau at a certain point, all of those things are somewhere between the day you arrive and the day you leave, whether that's as a graduate or as a transfer portal guy. Um, you know, it just, it's just, it's just stuff that has to play itself out. And so is there a likelihood of a, a transfer at that position at some point? Yeah. I mean, Jaden Dotton is transferring, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he's a guy who went into the transfer portal, not the same class, but uh, I, I just think that those things will filter themselves out as players recognize what their potential is, what their impact is in the program um, and their opportunity to play. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. cause that's, kind of what it comes down to is, is there, uh, is there a role, whether that's yeah. at wide receiver or in Malik Mega's case, he hasn't fallen in as a receiver necessarily, but he has carved out a role for himself in special teams and has become yep. an important piece of that. Uh, what, where does that, where does that fit for everybody else? We'll see. Yeah. And I think you bring up the, kind of the point that is the point underneath it is what's your fit in the offense compared to your peers too. So I think we've all pretty well pegged a guy like Caden Saunders as a slot receiver. And 
you know, is there are there guys ahead of Caden Saunders that he's not going to be able to beat out over the next two years in right. order to see the field? Um, on the flip side, somebody else, you know, again, not to name names, but like, where do guys fit in the room? Are you an X or are you a Z slot kick return special teams? What is your, how do you fit into the picture? And, and to get some, uh, just a finer point on it, that's going to be determining who it has an eye on the portal. And I, without a receivers coach and kind of without seeing some of these guys in their development, like, I don't know where Tyler Johnson is in his development, because first off, very raw prospect. Secondly, I haven't seen him in a year. And, and right. we need to see more evidence about these guys to know like how the portal thing is going to go. But to answer the question, I think just from five and generally how it works, uh, two would be the number I would say that might transfer just because, you know, from based on the math and you only hit on a certain number of players. And even though you can get more receivers, um, you know, the uh, there's only three positions and 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 last thing as I ramble on here, the next receivers coach. And if you can get guys that then leapfrog players, younger players playing ahead of veterans, that also yep. has effect on it. Uh, Lefenic is back. Lefenic Fox. I hope, I hope I'm saying these names right. And these are probably like, we have a lot of smart people on the board, Nate. And some of these are like literary references that I'm not smart enough to know. So am I, do you know this one? I have no idea. I, okay. I assume it's French. It sounds French, but I would assume that's kind of what I go. thought. Okay. How many wide receiver transfers coming in before worrying about losing guys already on the roster with high ceilings that it just haven't played yet. And with Stubbs exiting with a new wide receivers coach, are we going to see any wide receivers leaving after the spring? So kind of the same question, but in a microwave, not in long term. right now, um, Jaden Dotton just went in the transfer portal. So there's one answer for you, but yeah. um, how much will the new receivers coach, do you think potentially have an impact on that? Uh, I think it could, I think it could have some impact. I mean, if you, if you're, if you don't like it, right. If you're not, if you're not comfortable with the direction of your development based on, um, you know, the, the receivers coach that that's being brought in and vice versa. Right? Yeah. I mean, if, if there's a receivers coach, uh, that's coming in that it, it feels the same toward you, then yeah. I mean, yeah. certainly those are things that, uh, you could see some some entry into the portal in May, but I, I don't know. I, it feels very early to like yeah. speculate or really know yeah. um, to, to that. Can because I, here's the reality is new receivers coach or not, there there's already, you, you kind of know whether or not you fit at Penn State, whether that's ability-wise, right. culture-wise, what have you, and vice versa. Penn State can tell you fairly clearly whether or not you fit, whether or not you uh, match the capability and the ability that you need uh, to be able to play at this level. So yeah, I don't, yeah, we'll see. Uh, one quick story that is uh, I'll, I'll kind of leave at the names, but one thing I heard from a former player was that, yeah, I'm transferring because my coach didn't like me. And this was the previous receivers coach to Taylor Stubblefield and just the idea that Taylor Stubblefield didn't like this player. Then that player decided he was going to transfer. And like, whether that's true or a perception, like there are, like you said, clashing um, personalities, things just change. And, and that will uh, it's all still to be determined at this point. So that's kind of where it, yes, it can, but I don't know that we know that yet. 
And it, it, I, I think it's also important to note that it's not like James Franklin and Mike Yersich don't have opinions on these things, right? Is right. That, that's why you have... So, uh, yes, on the granular level, I, I do think that that chemistry, cohesion, whatever, whatever you want to call it, the, the, the mixing of new coach and players that are already existing in the room, yeah, you, you have to find what that balance is, but also... Mike Yersich is going to have an opinion. James Franklin's going to have an opinion. They're going to have, they're going to set a tone for what they want out of that room and, uh, you know, make it known pretty clearly uh, where these guys fit individually into that picture. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is BWI Mailbag Show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. That is Nate Bauer. Uh, If you want to like the video, always appreciate here on YouTube the support there. Subscribe to Blue Light Illustrated on YouTube. Five-star reviews. I'm going to say this again because I want to make sure that we're we're getting uh, the point across to people listening on Apple Podcasts. We want you to be part of the show. And I know, like here's the dirty secret. You guys make up a huge majority of of the people that watch and listen to this show. And I want to hear from you. So leave a five-star review with your question in the Apple Podcasts uh, review section, and we'll get it on the next mailbag show. But you can leave that anytime. You don't have to leave it right now. You can leave it on any podcast. When we see it, we'll get it on the show uh, for next week so we can start building these up, and you can get your questions on the show. I think this is the last question on receivers. How crazy is the Penn State loses their wide receivers coach, picks up two receivers in the portal? How much do you think the portal pickups will help next year? Uh, This gets into kind of the specifics of it that I'm excited about because now we know. And uh, we talked about the veteran part of it, but it also gives Penn State, I think, a more clearly defined depth chart, knowing the skills of the players that we have uh, in the mix. Um, The question I have, Nate, and, and not having a receivers coach, not really knowing any, we know Penn State does not guarantee things to players. Malik McLean still chooses to go to Penn State. So yeah. I guess like, I don't know if I want to ask you what the sales pitch is, but like, yeah. how do you, how would you make that leap of faith given that you were leaving a situation where you weren't seeing the field as much as you thought you maybe should have? I I, I think the, the one, I, I don't know how applicable this is or not, but the, the one thing that has been, I think kind of demonstrated to me uh, more than a few times is that there's a little bit of an expectation. I think at this point in the recruiting process that your position coach will not be with you for the duration of your career. Like I I genuinely think that uh, that recruits and their families feel that way. 
you're like you're not you're not committing to that coach. In a lot of ways, you're not committing to that. I mean, you are committing to the head coach, but you also you never know with that as well. Certainly, yeah. Penn State is trying to frame itself as a place of stability in James Franklin's situation. Like that's for an entirely different conversation. But I, I've just my the point is, uh, you, you're oh you're okay. I guess is the point. Right. You're like, regardless of who your position coach is specifically, if you see a role for yourself in the offense, the defense, special teams, what have you, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't, it's not really necessarily just the position coach's decision as to what your opportunity is. Right. Yeah. It, it is, it is under the purview of the offensive coordinator, the head coach, you know, those, those higher ups in the, yeah. in the ladder. We're talking about we're talking about receivers, but uh, on offense, the running backs and tight ends also have something to say about where the ball goes. So uh, it's th- to me, it's about weapons and options. And yeah. last season, and this leads us into this next question. John D says, "What can Penn State do differently on offense with the additions of Cephas and McCann- McLean that they were not able to do last year?" And this is about options. So um, last season, Penn State struggled in single coverage. And this is not just Penn state, by the way, like you're going to see in the NFL uh, during divisional round, lots of teams are playing cover zero because offenses are too good. And if you don't give them the opportunity, if you give them the opportunity, uh, they're going to beat you. Like you're the defense, you have to react. And if you can't bring down quarterbacks or if the quarterback is, is smart and fast and quick with a release, you have to do something to change the math and cover zero has been the way that a lot of, defenses have gone this way Penn State struggled in a lot of those situations to consistently make plays or against cover zero more importantly punish the other team for doing that like that's a touchdown has to be a touchdown so I think with Cephas and McLean specifically um they're different but they can both fulfill kind of the same roles in certain ways so this goes a bunch of different ways but I'll, I'll, I'll lay it out this way Cephas and his skills great at getting off press he can, he can get into his route. He's a really good route runner. He needs to get bigger and stronger and unlock the next level of his potential. But he's a guy that's kind of out of the box. I think he replaces what you had in Mitchell Tinsley in a roundabout way. Yep. Um, but McLean, 6'4", 200 pounds, runs routes really well, deep threat, and can catch the... I, I think he can be one of those big play threats at all times. Um, he needs to get better at route running. But his ability to run routes is there. So you have guys that I think bring more dynamism and and those cover one cover zero situations teams have to, I think have to be much more careful as long as these guys play out correctly uh, against doing that, especially if you give a quarterback and and Drew seems like a, a smart guy, you give him easy reads and that's man coverage is an easy read. If you're, if you're making it obvious, if you make it obvious and you know, your matchups, you know, your leverage, you know where to go with the football, and then you've eliminated half the battle. The problem is then, do the receivers get open? I think these guys can get open better. I think they have more. They just have more. These guys are better overall in their athletic profiles and their upside than Penn State had and what they were working with last season. And that's no disrespect to the guys that were here. Yeah. Yeah. So I respect it. <laughs> no, no opinion here. Go. Yeah. So we we got into a little bit of the, the X and Z conversation a little bit earlier between uh, Fitz and I. And, and here's the thing. Um, you bring in a guy like McLean. He can do all, like the idea is he can do all of it from his physical profile. So he could be the X. 
Um, but he can also, if he's off the line of scrimmage, he's got that deep speed. You run him on deep crossers, posts, go routes, seam routes, things like that. He threatens vertically, which is in gross generalizations, how I've understood it and how I kind of think about it. That's kind of the role of the Z. You, you run routes at every level of the field, but field stretcher off coverage. That's where you want him to be. The slot is obvious. I think everyone knows what the slot does, but the X, and that's why I say like with Cephas, he gets off the line so well. His release package, getting into his routes, faking out receivers, that gives you that reliability at your guy who's on the line of scrimmage most times and his, you know, he's he's in the nose of the corner. But the whole point is like Cephas can play Z. Like he's a good route runner. He's uh, elusive. And if you wanted to and you flip it and you you put McLean, who's big and physical and can be bigger and more physical, you can put him at the X if you wanted to. So these guys give you flexibility, too. And, and that's another thing that Penn State with Taylor Stubblefield, he always told me, is you wanted you wanted guys that could play all three positions. You could yep. condense them in the slot and then you're completely unpredictable. Yeah, uh, Tony. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. I was just I was just going to echo that. I mean, I, I do think that that's been a priority of the program for. Uh, a, a little while now this yeah. isn't recent necessarily yeah so that's why like it, it's hard necessarily without knowing the new receivers coach and what they're going to prioritize at each position and and how they want that to function specca uh here tony 0311 Spe- if anthony specca who uh is from pittsburgh helps penn state get quinton martin to penn state those two are friends according to the reporting of ryan snyder who's all over this stuff based off his tape what is his best position meaning uh, Quentin Martin on a PA talent level. He's on the level of the famous names you've heard before. So where does Quentin Martin fit in that group? Uh, I see him being used like a Debo Samuel for the 49ers. Um, that's tough. So first off, I, I haven't dipped, I haven't dipped into his, his full film all that much. Now I did watch a little bit so I could have some conversation before the show, Nate, but um, mm-hmm. he's not a corner. I saw I saw him play corner. He's too big to play corner. He's a he's a big dude. He's only going to get bigger. Um, I don't have any problem with him playing running back. But then the question becomes, is he most valuable at running back? Or do you want to put a guy with that athleticism at a different position? And where does he end up physically? Uh, I know our guys like him at linebacker. Um, And then just my question is like. He's so athletic are you recruiting him to just be the Sam or is he going to move to the will? And do you have so many will linebackers that you would want to use his skills elsewhere? And I can kind of see the conversation about him being a receiver, but I, I need more, I need more testing times and un- to understand like, you know, how big is he? Is he going to grow out? Like if he's two thirty, he's not playing receiver. Um, He's pretty tall. So I don't know about running. I really don't know. Maybe he's a safety. But I, I, I think he's going to outgrow that position. But the good news is he's so athletic, he can play most of the ones we're talking about. But I have a hard time seeing, for some reason, I have a hard time seeing him just ending up at will when you've got so many talented players they've had at that position recently. And I don't know, maybe you want a new one every year, but I think you might be able to use him elsewhere. This, this feels like a real rabbit hole for an uncommitted prospect. Doesn't it? Yeah. We're getting there, by the way. Oh my gosh, I'm chewing ice on air. How unprofessional. Penn State 2012. He asks, as a follow-up, if NIL is a big priority for him, how should the staff prioritize since he's not a premium position? Nate, this gets into the conversation about 
Like, this sounds like paying players, right? And that's, as Patrick Kraft has said, Penn State's not paying players to go to schools. Yeah. Can you comment on just so Penn State fans have an idea and an understanding of how the NIL situation works at Penn State and how that might not be exactly the case of what you're thinking here? Yeah, I don't I think it has to be you're not you're not saying uh, okay, uh there's a hundred thousand dollars for you guaranteed when you get to Penn State. Like the day that you walk on campus that this is the way that it's gonna be. Uh or, and that that number is changing based on the position. I think that uh what Penn State is trying to do and trying to establish is, hey, look, no matter what you do, if you're a scholarship player at Penn State, you are going to, there's a baseline package, more or less, that will be available to you and mm-hmm. will, will be uh, supplied to you based on uh, the infrastructure of the collectives, plural, right. right? Is that this is what it will be. Uh, and then beyond that, the the market will play itself out right mm-hmm. is is as you produce um certainly you know when it comes to i think it, it's it's interesting right now because penn state has its marquee quarterback and has not had to recruit a marquee quarterback yeah. uh in this new standard of college football recruiting of enticements and so on and so forth so like i'm not sure what that will look like when it comes to, hey, we're going to guarantee that as our, you know, our next marquee quarterback that you're going to make X amount of dollars. Like, I, I haven't seen that yet, and I'm not sure what Penn State's plan is for that. Yeah, I think it's more along the lines of, hey, we're, it, it, like that the, the wording of the question as how do you prioritize it in, in the NIL yeah. space? I don't, I don't think you do. I don't think you do like not, not right off the bat. Um, you, you just, you have to be able to establish that there is a foundation within which compensation will be made right? and competitive, like competitive, certain- right? Correct. Like, so it, it's not like you're coming in and you're getting uh, a, a coupon to Wendy's. Like you're getting a, a <laughs> right. Like, so yeah. I, I trust me, I've been at jobs where it's like, Hey, we can't pay you, but here's a gift card. And it's like, yeah. I can't, eat this gift yeah. card i need yeah. money to put to buy groceries and yes. so like that's they, they are actually competitive in the marketplace but they're not guaranteeing money to players which is happening right and that leads us into this next question but fa- finish up with what you have because this leads into kind of the conversation in general well i was just gonna say i mean i think you've seen them lose certain recruiting battles because of that like yep. they it's not it's not a, it, it is a principle of which Pat Kraft has said it. James Franklin has more or less said it. Like, this is, this is how we're going to do things. We're not going to like totally break the mold and sell out uh, the entirety of the culture and the structure that they want to have surrounding this based on one player's talents. If a player is representing themselves and is, like to that status, right? Where they're a top 25, play, a five-star player. Yeah. They're, they're going to be worth that. It's not going to be like so far out of the mold of what the market is for them uh, that Penn State is going to go to those lengths. So I, I just... Does, does Penn State have the connections to get national 
NIL stuff like Bryce Young on on the Dr. Pepper commercials, right? Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see too. Like Nick Singleton is going to be a superstar, right? Mm-hmm. If Drew Aller is a superstar at quarterback, does Penn State have the foresight and the aggressiveness to then get those opportunities to prove to other guys, hey, come in and play? And if you play well, like the sky is the limit. We have the connections and the infrastructure to get you the real money, like a quarterback in the NFL getting endorsement deal money uh, or, you know, whatever it is on the college football level. That's that's where a lot of these guys are doing this in the NFL anyway. It's kind of like an off-season thing where you see Matt Stafford hawking pizza. And right. and it's it's not necessarily about coming in and we're handing you money. It, it's like if you reach a certain threshold, it's about the connections. Yeah, ha- like having actual celebrity, having actual cachet that yep. you are of value to a business, right? <laughs> right? Like the, that it's not just straight up pay for play. Penn, Penn yep. State very clearly does not want to participate in that side of things. And more important, I think... I don't think Penn State's donors want to play that game. Like that's not, yeah. it's, it, it really like, there's a debate for another time in another place about, it's just dumb. It's just a, like, like, it's just there, there, there's a side of, Hey, I can play fantasy football. And as a billionaire, it doesn't matter if I spend $10 million on NIL, right? It's, it's yep. lunch money. It doesn't matter. Uh, you can do that and it makes you feel good. And, you've you know helped dictate a roster and gotten the players that you want and so on and so forth. And and there are people, individuals out there who are doing that. Uh, I don't think that Penn State's donors have an appetite for that. And I don't think the program wants to set that standard. I don't think that's the, the model that they're trying to follow. And that follows to an invasive level, right? So like then you, not that this isn't the case anyway, but you always have the conversation of the, of the meddlesome donors at Texas or wherever that suddenly you have people Auburn, right? Places that oh. it, with the, the story is common that boosters and donors don't like X coach. And suddenly X coach is cut out at the knees and then doesn't perform well. And then he's fired. Oh. Um, one thing I should bring up here and to kind of set the table for a lot of this stuff. And I'll show you over here. If you have not seen it yet, um, this is uh, the next level of, NIL and that is the NIL valuations from on three. You can go and see what guys are worth. You know, you can click on Arch Manning, one of the most famous people, and you can go in here and you can see the roster valuation, the NIL valuation. And um, as on three continues to progress in this area and players contribute to this and, and NIL become where the picture and the value are going to make more sense. It's yeah. not going to be about what somebody's just going to pay you. It's like, what is your value? What is your brand impact? What is your social media following? What is your value as a football player? So that there is actually a marketplace and you're not just throwing darts in the wind or, and I want to bring this up as this next question now, because this is the next phase uh, of, of, I think the pushback quarterback, Jaden Rashada from uh, NLE 24 says quarterback, Jaden Rashada wants out of his letter of intent because he feels the NIL deal. I believe at Florida was not true. Are we seeing a failed experiment? In NIL, was NIL a good thing? Poorly thought out. Is college football down the NIL rabbit hole? Um, Nate, where do you want to? Which one of those three sentiments do you want to uh, latch onto first? Um, uh, NIL, in its intended purest form, 
is fantastic and necessary and long overdue. Uh, The notion that popular players, people with personalities, whatever, have an opportunity to capitalize, whether you have a personality or not, it doesn't even matter. If there, there is a world where you should be able to make money off of your Jersey being sold, where you can make money off of uh, you personally, your likeness being included in a video game. All of those things are so far overdue and should have existed a long time ago. The the issue of Jada Rashada and everything that we're talking about right now is that that's not what the actual system is. And the actual system is still intended to avoid the elephant in the room, which is employee status. Like that's it. That's it is these guys are if 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 it changed the professional model to where these guys are actual professionals and not just have the ability like the ability to make endorsement money uh, is is fine for professionals. That's always been fine for professionals. But for some reason, uh, we've dictated that as amateurs. They, they weren't able to do that. Okay. Now and that, it's now somehow, we... I'm sorry, like I have to interrupt and it's somehow nobler. Now, right. I understand that like as an adult, I get fatigued. Exactly. Right. Like the fact that uh, Katie Ledecky couldn't have any sort of sponsorship deals. She's in the Olympics. NBC is making billions of dollars off of her swimming in a pool. Right. But yeah. she's a student athlete and somehow this is a nobler thing yep. than the exploitation going on around it. Is somehow like that's, you know, and not to get too far down these these very complicated twisted turns. But like, I always thought that was kind of like we're just making up reasons for things that we want. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're not doing like I'm glad at least we have this mess instead of what we had before, which was a little not a little bit. I'm just going to be nice here. It's somewhat maybe a little bit exploitative. uh, This has to transition, though. Like that's, that's, yeah. Oh, for sure. The bottom line is okay. Maybe like this, this can't be the destination. The destination is still out there. Uh, and I don't know exactly what it looks like, but uh, there, there is a place for it that doesn't look like what it currently does, which is basically money laundering, right? Like this is, (laughs) yeah, yeah. This, this cannot exist where it's like, okay, well, we're just going to, uh, and you see it in so many different places, but it's it's just, okay, how, these are the rules. The rules don't make sense as it is, but also we're just going to be the smartest guy in the room and figure out how to exploit those rules as best as we possibly can. And so, yep. uh, okay, Florida's Collective is going to make promises. There's no contract. There, there's no, these guys yep. aren't signing anything before. They, and so it is ripe for that. Right. Like it is ripe Mm -hmm. for and it's not necessarily even the fault of Florida football. Right. And and like I'm I'm speaking about something that I don't like. I I don't know Florida's uh, inner workings, but I'm just saying collectives are also operating independently of because they can't work with the university because all the other things we've covered. Right. And you, and you just, you have, you have people and uh, organizations making decisions independently of each other. And sometimes in a lot of ways in collaboration with each other, but either way, there's no, 
there's no formality to it until down the road. So you can, you can make false promises. You, you see coaches talking about it all the time of, Hey, these guys are being sold a bill of goods. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that Penn state is determined to not be a part of that process, but you're, you're going to continue to see this until like something formal, something transformative actually happens where NIL becomes what it is, right? Yeah. Or what it was supposed to be, which is the use of your name, image, and likeness to make money in addition to what it is that you're actually doing, which is what is your value to this organization? Yep. An organization that makes a ton of money and that yeah. is, yes, there's an exchange there. Like let's, let is not, let's not completely devalue to the people who are going to argue that a college education is worth something. It is yeah. all, yeah. all of that has a financial value. You can actually see it. You can see the per scholarship value, <coughs> excuse me, of, of being a football player at Penn state. You see it in the, in the year end reports, but uh, the actual value to the organization is so much higher than that. Yep. that it that those things will resolve themselves at at some point or you would think that they have to yeah uh so uh, we uh, i apologize i was trying to while you were talking i was trying to remember the name of uh the ceo of the collective we had here on the show a success with honors collective uh i can't jason remember jason belzer jason belzer yeah he we had a great conversation he said like there are different models with nil and yeah. the competing models one of them is going to win out, right? So some of these things, this is, as you said, this is not the final destination that we're headed toward. We're, we're getting there. And you look at Texas A&M and what happened to the transfer portal this year. I, no one has specifically said, but that looks like uh, the number one class of all time. And then suddenly a lot of those guys are not at Texas A&M anymore. Jaden Rashada more quickly. But if, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And yeah. you can promise the moon, but that doesn't make you win and winning and, and retaining talent and, you know, finding an edge is the whole point of it. Um, let's we got We only got a couple of minutes here. I want to make sure we get to some of these. I'm especially. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a great. It's a, we haven't had an NI like a really meaty NIL conversation about this stuff in a bit. So much needed. And I think it's important to kind of outline where Penn State stands and how they stand in this environment. And how it's always changing right so bold and aggressive uh, not to try uh, go all the way back and kind of start this conversation again but i wouldn't call what penn state is doing bold and aggressive i would call it uh like sustainable you know yeah. so james franklin has pushed for bold and aggressive but really what he was asking for is like let's just get in the game let's not avoid it right yeah no it, it, you it, look uh i i think that and these these are the conversations that i'm having is uh um, I don't want to get into like markets and these kind of, but like at some point, smart money and making sense went out. They usually do. And yeah. so you can, you can try to disrupt and change the game a hundred percent. And I think Miami is an easy example of that. It's okay. Well, this is where this program is currently. And with uh, a double shot of espresso in the form of, piles and piles of cash can upend that it can yeah. it can change that trajectory it can take you from here to here very very quickly i don't think that is <coughs> excuse me i know that's not where penn state wants to be um but also it's like hey okay 
you've got this on the front end where somebody's going to throw $10 million at a roster. That's fine. What about next year? How about the year after that? How yeah. about 10 years from now? Is that same person, do they still have the means? Is it, is it, are you relying on this like just from one person to bankroll your program for forever? Because the reality is like from the outside, from the, the smart money guys, the people who are calling themselves smart money guys, it's that's stupid. You're just yeah. flushing your money down the drain because at some point, right. whether it's right now or five years from now or 10 years from now, either that guy will not continue to have those means. You won't be able to cultivate the same number of donors who can replicate or build upon that, that fund that you're using to pay these players. Or it just drops off the map. Right? Yeah. Like, what happens if somebody, John Ruiz, like I, you know, don't know him, right? I don't know him. Hopefully, he doesn't die. What happens if John Ruiz dies and there's no money left for right. Miami football to where your fund goes from ten million dollars to zero dollars, and now yeah. your scrap, your entire roster is expecting certain things that don't come to fruition because it turns off the faucet, just ends. It's, it's yeah. no longer even a stream. It's just done. Yeah, uh, I, I think that Penn State is working very, very hard, as are the majority of other programs to establish a sustainable, responsible, sense-making model of, hey, here, here are the relationships that we have with businesses that, uh, you know, it's a good relationship. These are fruitful for both sides. Yeah. Here's what we can use as a community to support these endeavors and say, okay, hey, $50,000, $40,000, whatever it is. Like these are the packages um, that you can expect as a Penn State scholarship football player, right? I think that's where I think that's the end game until things change, if they change into a more professional model. Ivan Putsky asks a great question: Might we be able to get a defensive tackle from the portal? Uh, you talked to Fitz. Spoiler alert, teaser. By the way, you talked to Fitz about the portal tomorrow on the. Thursday edition of the BWI daily um, optimism there or hope like kind of like, Oh wow. This fell from the sky sort of thing. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that you just keep playing the game. However, yeah. it looks uh, nobody expected necessarily chop Robinson to open up live, but I mean, he's just, yeah, he's, he's the easiest example, but like, it feels like that's what's going to have to happen. Yep. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, it's now like, oh, surprise, this is awesome. We weren't expecting this, sort of. I, I made it sound like like fate earlier, but that's kind of what it feels like. Of How many times is there going to be a 295-pound defensive tackle come through the transfer portal that wants to go to Penn State and is not going to listen to other offers from other schools that might be inducing him the way that we just described for 20 minutes or so? <laughs> um, <laughs> let's go to psych him. Clearly the talent level of the two running backs, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton is off the charts. Lucky to have them both question as they get more experienced and uh, what steps or growth in their game would you see as they progress in the college football career? So where, where do the two individuals need to get better? I think they're fascinating. I've always been fascinated by how well they fit together. Nate. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I, the easy thing for me is catching the ball. I, I, I do. Think oh that yeah. Would, a, a an area certainly of of singleton's repertoire yeah. yeah that that needs to develop and I, I don't really know that i'm trying to remember many targets to, to katron allen I, I can't think he's of a good that receiver many. 
Yeah, he's able to catch screens. I don't know what kind of route runner is he is, but he has good hands and he's a reliable uh, check down sort of guy. And that's that's yeah. really as far as Penn State has gotten uh, in the passing game when it comes to the running back. Anyway, Mike Yurcich targets the receivers like he wants to get the ball down the field. Yeah. Yeah. So that I mean, I, I think that would it's almost. uh you're trying to do what the other guy does, right? Is you're trying yep. to build out your game to do to, so that both of them are not virtually the same player, but that you're not losing anything when one guy's out and the other guy's in, right? Yep. So for, for Singleton, it's having the ability to, um, you know, have the reliability, like the football plays, all of those things that yep. the IMG experience helped Katron. Allen be prepared for and do yep. better. I think on the front end, I think that you saw Nick Singleton make a lot of those strides through the course yep. of the season with that time. Okay. Let's reverse it. What, what can Katron Allen do to mimic what Nick Singleton does, right? Uh, the breakaway speed, like bigger, the, he, faster, already, stronger. Yep. And we already, we already know that he changed his body, right. From when yep. he uh, arrived at Penn state and, and, I mean, the guy's nickname is Fat Man. He's not fat. He's two hundred and one <laughs> pounds on the roster. He he lost twenty pounds this year. Yeah, yeah. Which which made him more agile, and which something that I I was fascinated by. You know, as his profile, the two hundred and twenty pound running back that was so elusive, and and you saw the the fruits of that of changing his body over and being more agile. Now it's the build back, right? So, I, like I said, they fit so well together because of what you just described. For Nick, it's all about the I don't want to call them soft skills, but ball carrier vision, um, a little bit more agility, maybe a little less of a hammer being a little bit more fluid. Um, and then, you know, kind of the football instincts of, of setting things up, having a feel for setting up blocks and catching, catching catch like, Ooh, that's the one area where it's, it, he fights the ball in the air and, and that's yep. hard. Um, but again, he knows that. And he's a good, he's a good football player. He's a good worker. Clearly. So he's going to be working on that to become better at that. And then for for Katron, it's just how many RPMs can you get out of him? How much faster can he get? Because other than that, like they're great. Like Katron, I hate always saying this all the time. Katron is a junior as a running back. Like that's where his clock is. His intelligence is his, his the way he plays the game. He just needs to physically catch up to that. Uh, a couple more here. Zach says, what's the chance that the one of the stud recruits press for a good amount of playing time at deep positions? Elliot Washington, King Mack, Alex Birchmeyer, Javen Williams on the O-line. I have loved Elliot Washington's skill for a while. From a physical standpoint, I think he's one of the better athletes that they have in this class. King Mack, obviously, uh, man crush on his game. That's going to be an interesting one because of his position. For me, I think Elliot Washington has a chance to crack the back end of the roster because of his size and the way he fits and the way he can mimic what Storm Duck does. So as long as he is can mature into that role, you, he might be able to crack the fourth corner or maybe the fifth corner, and that guy rotates this year. Do you have an opinion on this group? Nope. Nope. I think you have great opinions, T. Frank. <laughs> well, good. Um, and the, the other thing I'd say, with Alex Bergstrommeyer and Javen Williams, yes. Just yes. Because I saw Drew Shelton not uh, – this is kind of – I don't want to be rude here. Not know how to pass block. 
He did not know how to pass block as a as a senior in high school to the level at which he needed to to play, right? Which was the whole thing I said of like he's very good. He's gonna need time to develop. And then suddenly with with Phil Troutwine and and his work ethic, uh, Drew Shelton's work ethic, he was able to progress progress and be a part of a winning team up front. I don't think he was excellent, but he played left tackle in the power five and Penn State won all the games he started. That's a, that's a huge thing. These guys, and again, no offense to Drew, he just had a farther way to go. 290-pound Javen Williams and 290-pound Alex Birchmeyer. I'd say both those guys are are farther along in the progression scale. Either of them could if they want. It, like with what I've seen of what what uh, Phil Troutwine can do with these guys. Yep. Uh, let's get to this one, and this will be our last one unless we have time. With the <laughs> with John Ashley from Twitter. John's a regular here uh, from last offseason. I wanted to say hi to John. With the options of the true impact one and three technique uh, players on the thin side for the roster, what do you think finding a true Mike linebacker? Uh, do you think finding a true Mike linebacker would be a focal point? Does that put pressure on John Scott as recruiter, seeing as what just happened to Taylor Stubblefield? What about that last part, Nate? Uh, you know, John Scott Jr. has gotten good football players here. He's developed them. Mm-hmm. But the recruiting at, the, at that defensive tackle position has still been lots of misses. And even at defensive end, some of the guys they wanted, TJ Parker, some some misses. And that's not to say that he's on the hot seat, but uh, how do you see that in terms of, you know, the future and, and projecting where Penn State wants to go and where they've been in, in recently? Uh, don't, I don't. No, I I don't I don't see that as being like a glaring issue that's existed. Okay. I, I I don't know. I mean, what what do you think? I, I to me, John Scott's story is development and certainly this year, uh, kind of transforming the sack numbers and the tackles for loss numbers. I mean, I think I think that the performance on the field uh, has been pretty good. Uh, yeah, o- like overall in terms of uh, certainly against what they were expected to do. Right. And what they did this year. Uh, but yeah, from the recruiting side of things, uh, pass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, it's, this is the thing. It's like, I don't, I, I again, I'm, I'm with you there that the development and the production and the ability to turn guys from the transfer portal into first and second round picks, like to, to give them the platform and to help them succeed. I don't think you can question John Scott Jr.'s productivity. Um, the, the part is just like, the misses at defensive tackle go beyond him in the timeline at Penn state, you know, over the last seven, eight, nine years. So that's just, that's, I think that's the point here is just get it. There hasn't been another guy with PJ Mustafer's profile since PJ Mustafer, which is why they're scrambling right now. They have not found a guy that can be an athletic one technique that has the size and the growth potential to be that player. And like, they haven't gotten one in five or six years that has re- that has worked out, that's ready to ascend. So now we're in the situation they're looking for one in the portal. And it's like, you have to comment on it. You have to, you have to say that is absolutely a thing, but then take it into the full context. To the first part, no. I don't think having a true Mike linebacker, whatever that necessarily means, if you mean like an old school neck roll guy, no, absolutely not. Because then you'll be shredded in the passing game and the athleticism to mirror and get into the open space, that's all going to be a problem anyway. So not that, 
but overwhelming talent everywhere else. Sure. Yeah. You can always make up for deficiencies with overwhelming talent everywhere else. Last question here. This is a short one, Nate, because we're going to talk about this all off season. We've talked about it already. Yeah. Realistic expect expectations for 2023. Uh, uh, to compete for the big 10 period, right? Like yeah. compete, compete for the big 10 and then see where that takes you. Right. I, and nobody wins all their games, right? Like George did. I get it. Uh, yeah. But to set that as the expectation, I think is, is a little foolhardy. Uh, and I think that Ohio state demonstrated this year that you can get into the playoff either way. Right. Yeah. If you, if you don't have to beat both of those teams, Michigan and Ohio state to find your way into the playoff. Now, granted you, you got to win your non-conference games. Like it, it, it is very overwhelmingly clear that you're not getting in as a two loss team. Like that's just, yeah. that's not going to happen for Penn state. But uh, if you can find a split with Michigan and Ohio state and compete and be part of that conversation throughout the year, like, is that a, is that a realistic expectation? Yeah. I yeah. think so. Right. I mean, I, I really yeah. do. I, I, I think the expectation is what you saw this year, maybe an 11 win team, maybe 10, 11 wins. And to do that with a new quarterback. I mean, I think that's, that's a, that's a good place to be. And that's kind of the, the baseline expectation for me is what they did this year. They can replicate next year by winning as many games and maybe more, you know, like the, like you just said, open to more, but I think the baseline is 10 wins. And if you start with the baseline there, that's pretty great. And we saw what Penn State was able to do in the transfer portal to uh, get a couple of receivers to get it all the way back to the very beginning of the show where they uh, are setting up, I think, for a positive 2023 with what they did during the portal window. Nate, thanks, buddy. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Also, one one last thing sure. uh, that never gets any publicity but needs to be talked about. We focus so much on Penn State naturally, mm -hmm. like Nobody ever worries about what anybody else is doing. Like it was impossible to know what Penn State's schedule, like how those teams would end up being this year ahead of those projections. Like that's such a huge point. So when you set expectations for what Penn State's going to do, it really does matter <laughs> what the teams on the schedule uh, and when you play them also like how that comes to fruition. Why did you ruin a great show with perspective? I'm sorry. Why did you end the show with perspective? No, it's perfect. That's what Nate does. And Nate's coming up tomorrow to give you more perspective. Talk about the transfer portal and more with Sean Fitz on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.